Hello and welcome to the Black Mentors Podcast, where we ask, listen, learn, and invest in the knowledge and truths of black males from all socioeconomic backgrounds. We also advocate for positive images and narratives of black males in all forms of media. I'm your host today, Rodney Harmon, and we are joined today by our guests, P.J. Carter and Cortland Davis. P.J. and Cortland are both members of the Black Lives Matter organization here in Topeka, Kansas. How you doing today, guy? What's going good. on? How you doing? Good. Real Pre- good. Pretty good. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Start Cortland. Um, yeah, I'm Cortland Davis. Uh, I'm a Kansan. Most okay. of my life, I, I grew up in Kansas, lived here. I was about 14 in Parsons, Kansas, and moved to Topeka. And uh, when I was about 20, I started my uh, career in television and moved all over. I mean, uh, all over the country, uh, Oklahoma, Tulsa, San Diego, Chicago. Uh, the last five years in Los Angeles, then I moved back home, you know, married, had kids. Uh, moved out to Colorado for a while and uh, uh, then ended up moving back here to Kansas about four years ago. Um, I'm an advocate for uh, any marginalized people. Um, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about. I've been passionate about that most of my life. And, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Okay. PJ? Uh, <clears throat> I'm PJ Carter, <clears throat> born and raised in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, I don't know my parents or uh, my pops is a bishop. My mom's a first lady in a church. Uh, grew up in the church. Fell in the streets. Got into some trouble. Did some time. Got out. Went to school. Got a trade. Just got my associates. I hopeful to get my bachelor's at the end of this year. Pursuing my master's degree in social work. Uh, the president of Black Lives Matter. And uh, just a advocate for all people of color. Okay. All right. Now, what is your position, Cortland, in Black Lives Matter? I'm, I'm the uh, vice president okay. of uh, right. BLM Topeka. Okay. Uh, what advocacy role or position do you play? You said you were the president. Correct. PJ. Uh, have you always been the president? I, I just kind of looked around and. Folks was always asking me, "What do we do next?" Okay, so you always you always been a leader, you know, or people looked up to you as a leader aspect of. I won't be the one to say that, but like, I, when it, if you ask me, we all work together. Okay, I'm just one to just always move forward. I don't get hung up on the small things. A win, a win, and a loss is a loss, and either way it goes, we got to move forward. Okay, got to keep grinding. All right. What about you, Cortland? Um, I mean, as far as BLM Topeka, this is this is really my first role, uh, or first time serving in a role of this capacity. Okay. Um, I know um, after George Floyd, um, a lot of things changed. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this movement kind of blew up. Um, this isn't new to me, though. This this is something uh, the, the things that we're fighting for and what we stand for have been very real to me as long as I can remember. A lot of that due to my upbringing. Uh-huh. Uh, but after the George Floyd incident, um, I saw a lot of things going on around me, and I, I reached out to a friend that you probably know, Tasha Neal, yes. and uh, I know that she was a, a, a huge advocate and doing really big things in Lawrence, and I reached out to her. She's an old friend of mine. I said, well, what can I do? And she goes, I, I need you to meet somebody, and a few days later, I went to Lawrence, 
uh, they had a, a really just a beautiful, a beautiful march out there in Lawrence. And she introduced me to PJ. And uh, PJ had very few words for me. He's like, okay, what's your name? He said, well, what do you, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I'm, I'm thinking we need to work on some voter turnout. And he kind of looks at me and goes, okay. And walks, <laughs> kind of walked less, off. Less I, didn't know, I didn't know what to make of it, but it was probably about a week later, I got, I got a random text message that said, join us. Um, and I, I, I stepped in and, and I pretty much just followed PJ's lead uh, from that point. And um, I'm pretty tireless. Um, no task too big, no task too small. And, and I think... Uh, that not only PJ, but some of the other people who were around us, uh, they voted me in. They said, hey, do you want to be the, the acting VP? Um, and I said, yeah. Okay. All right. How long has the organization been here, PJ? It goes back to 2015. Okay. Uh, I went to a, a BLM rally in Lawrence, South Park, and I met Caleb Stevens. And from there... I was just motivated. I, I literally asked him, our conversation consisted of, how can we do this in Topeka? How can we bring this kind of awareness and, and, and rally folks together in Topeka? And he was just like, do it. I'll support you, we'll support you. And he's like, the people either show up or they won't, but it just takes somebody taking that first step and taking the initiative. And from there, we've just been pushing. Okay. What was your rally for in 2015 in Lawrence? Ooh. I want to say it was it was a moment of at that time and even presently there's just so many names to say yes but it was more of a say say their names type candlelight visual for those fallen to the hands of police brutality okay all right I don't want to say a name Yes. And missing names. Yes, I understand. It, it consists of saying all their names. Okay. What assumptions do people make about you when you advocate for black lives, PJ? I'm going to speak on a personal experience. And yes. during the, uh, what was that? The uh, city council meeting for a police accountability, which was August the 25th, I worked at Torgerson for maybe six years. And there was an anti-rally during that meeting with the Back to Blue folks. And a lot of those folks consisted of a lot of my coworkers and peers, which naturally when I showed up, I see them and I'm like, hey, what's up? How you doing? And their first reaction was like, nah, you're on the other side and you're one of them or you're, you're a terrorist and this, that, and the other. And my response was like, dude, our kids have played together. You've ate dinner at my house like we had a beer together like we break bread like how am i a terrorist like you know me yes and they just i, I want to say the response has normally been it's either positive or supportive or they've been ignorant outbursts okay. by ignorant i just mean lack of education no research done etc cetera, etc cetera. they just put you in a box and this is what you are and just makes no sense to me but at the same time i mean my motto has just always been keep moving forward like those folks just show their true colors they'll befriend you to your face but in their minds and in their hearts they're not really for you they won't stand up for you they won't stand up by you when it there is a clear line drawn to them that was invisible until those moments all right now so most people would assume that uh or the people I've ran into assume that the minute you say you're against the blue, that you're basically against everybody in blue. 
you know and can you break that down to us well we've never said we're against the blue yeah exactly so that whole ideology falls into that ignorant outburst if you ask me and to be clear like this is our demands our push or in our issues are not with individual officers they're not with our and i say our because i am a citizen of topeka our police department they're with the system they're with the laws they're with the policies that need to be changed every officer can still keep their job except for that uh officer cruz the the officer who shot dominique white but outside of him there's no personal issues so it's not with an individual officer and then when it comes to back in the blue it's like okay what other uh career do folks in a community back but yeah. what happened to back in social workers or back in doctors or back in lawyers or the opposition with back in the blue I, I i don't understand it yes there is a need for peacekeepers in the streets yes there is a need to have emergency services on call for whatever reason but I don't think there's a need for us to be commanded, manhandled, uh, taken down, uh, beaten, pepper sprayed, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Especially in matters of traffic stops or, or, or anything that should have been a positive police contact that turned into something different. I've, I've heard officers say, I'm not going to call any officer's name, that like things go bad just because folks don't want to go to jail. Me, myself, personally, and I've shared this with my peers, like, it's my understanding, which I believe is a fact, that the, our police department works for us. So when it comes to them giving me a command, that's a pill hard for me to swallow. Don't, you can ask me to do something, and I'm going to make a choice to do it or not. And it's not a matter of wanting to go to jail. It's a matter of, like, why? For example, if I have my license registration and everything I'm supposed to have, why are you asking me to get out the car? It's not happening. Okay. For what? I'm not going to keep my hands on the steering wheel, et cetera, et cetera, and watch my movements, this, that, and the other, because I pay my taxes. I follow the law, et cetera, et cetera. So why do I need to keep my hands where you can see them or get shot? Mm-hmm. If you're that afraid to do your job, you're doing, you're in the wrong line of work. Okay. Now for you, Cortland, I repeat the question. What assumptions do people make about you when you advocate for Black Lives Matter? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, oftentimes it depends on uh, who I'm addressing. Okay. Um, I, I, I do know that there, there, there are a lot of folks um, that when they hear that or see that, um, then they come back to me and <clears throat> um, or else they just don't deal with me anymore. Um, people that I thought I was close to. You know, a lot of times it's coworkers, people who you have a working relationship with um oftentimes they just become kind of distant um but i do i do know what the chatter is um and and that chatter is you know domestic terrorists or um that i hate cops um divisive um and that one that's the one that really gets under my skin and and that's the one i hear a lot is that that black lives matter is divisive um and so there's the the assumption that i'm not only anti-police but i'm anti-white i'm anti a lot of things which i'm just simply not um, on the other side of that, um, there's, there's young men that I encounter, and even some young women that I've encountered, and people who actually reach out to us who understand what we're doing 
because they live the reality that we too live and uh, there are um, a lot of questions. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say they respect me because of what I do, but they do reach out to us and they feel um, they, they see us as a source of strength. Um, they see us as uh, communicators um, who are willing to step up, say things, address things, and ask questions that they don't necessarily feel safe uh, themselves doing. Um, and uh, even my family, I'm, I'm, I'm biracial. So it's been, this has caused even some rifts within, inside of my own family because some of those same sentiments um, are shared, um, I believe, with some of my family members. And what I find, uh, what I found most uh, surprising about it, I guess, is that uh, even the people who love me as family, oftentimes they have a problem with um, what I'm doing, what I stand for, rather than sitting down and saying, hey, you know, your family, talk to me about this. Yes. You know, help me understand. They just become distant. Uh, but I, uh, I've done this, uh, it's been a matter of maybe six months now, but uh, in six months I've learned that, that I, I know exactly what that distance means. Um, you know, o overall, um, I've lost people along the way, as again, you know, that distance, but no one who um, I, I feel as though was ever going to stand up for me anyway. You know, the, okay. it, it just kind of... Are you comfortable talking about your previous job? I think that's a perfect example. Um, yeah, we, and we spoke about that when yeah. we were in here. We spoke yeah. about that a little bit. Um, just don't mention the job. Yeah, I'm not going to throw out yeah. any names or, <laughs> okay. or, or, you know, anything like that. There's a part of me that, that wants to because what they did was wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, what I won't do is use my position to, to, to help me in a personal matter um, because it's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. But um, I can say that when I worked at this job, and I think that a, a, a lot of people of color have dealt with this, that once this movement started happening and the lights started coming on, you started realizing that there's a lot of stuff that you put up with that you shouldn't have. The, the little passive jokes and the little, yeah. you know, um, I had a guy that I worked with said, uh, the Black National Anthem, what is it, a rap song? You know, and normally these are things that, you know, just to keep your job, just to keep your sanity, you just kind of, ha ha, you know, just move on. Either you, you know, give a, a fake laugh or you just kind of block it out. Mm -hmm. um, what I couldn't do at my job was once they realized what I was doing, um, and it didn't take long, it's a small city, um, I, I saw this change in the way that they dealt with me. Now, some of them, you know, ask good questions and they reached out and they're like, okay, hey, what is this? But um, they, in their mind, I had changed uh, because those little passive jokes and, and, and those little things are not something that I can or will ever tolerate again. I don't think anybody should have to. Yes. And so I wasn't uh, combative, but when those things happened, I checked them. I called them out, hey man, don't say that to me. And then I would explain why. Um, you know, let, let's, let's try to move forward in a manner where we're respectful, holistically respectful. Yes. And it wasn't just people of color. There were things they said about homosexuals. Um, there were certain words that they used that I was like, I don't want that around me. I don't want that on me. Um, he meant the LGBTQIA community. Yes. Okay. Yes. Excuse yeah. him. And uh, we... Uh, what I saw started happening was I was kind of ostracized. Yes. You know, we work as a crew, but suddenly I was over here doing one task while everybody over here was doing a different task. Um, then I was asked to give a random UA. 
just out of the blue. And I was told that there were five other guys, because I said, hey, man, this is, I'm feeling like this is kind of personal, because I could already read the writing on the wall. Um, and and they, 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 I did the UI, I passed it. I, I went within an hour, passed it, came back, said, okay, it's done. They sent the paperwork. About a week or so later, I see these other five guys, because I saw their name on the list. And I said, hey, man, that, you know, how about that random UA? And they didn't know what I was talking about. And at that yeah. point, I realized, okay, this is extremely personal. Um, and then, you know, I was just biding my time until then. Until then. But it, at the end of the day, um, the only thing that I, 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 can't, I didn't really lose any, the only thing I lost was a job. Um, I think that that, uh, that could have happened to me at any point in yes. my career. And looking back at my career, I've worked 18 years in television. And there were a lot of times looking back that I just rolled those punches, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I realized that I was living a very muted version of myself. And I think that's what a lot of people have a problem with. And they don't understand that that problem is theirs. They have to own that issue and address it rather than being critical of me for just wanting to be shown the same respect that, that, that anyone else is. Okay. So, right. you uh, it, it, it was a bumpy ride, and I'm sure I have more of those to come. But at the end of the day, this is where I'm at. This is where I stand. This is what I do. And um, my hope is that, like I said, people will start to realize that me and PJ and any other person of color, we can only have a limited effect on racism because racism is not our problem. We are the recipients of racism. And when the recipients of that racism recognize it, stand up, and fight against it, then suddenly we're being divisive. I'm not trying to divide myself from any person. So yes. I'm trying to divide myself from hate, period. Okay, all right. Do y'all think that the George Floyd uh, incident brought out everybody and made them start standing up? Like you said, there are certain situations when you, and, and probably you also, PJ, that you just dealt with it just because it was a job and, and you just kind of like blew stuff off. Uh, when you were younger, not necessarily within the last year or so, but when you were younger, that the George Floyd incident, what was the trigger basically behind the George Floyd incident that made you finally say, that's it? And I say that question because I think the George Floyd incident was the statement that made everybody in America that stood, that started standing up against racism say, that's it. What was the trigger? If I, if I may, <clears throat> I think you should answer first because, like, my answer is almost going to change that whole question around. Okay, go on and change but it. But if, okay, yeah, okay. well, it's, and this is just my take on things. Yeah. Folks had time. Okay. Folks was at home. We were in a pandemic. We, they had nothing to do. They seen it. Everyone saw it because a lot of things get shown on the news. A lot of things get aired, but everybody's working and running kids around. Folks across the world had time. And that's what woke everyone up. Like, wait a minute. Like, this is still happening. Like, a lot of folks that are living privileged lives that normally to go over their head or they may see a headline but never see real details actually saw those videos and saw across the world that everyone was standing up and then they begin to question themselves and they chose a side in history and spoke up I don't think it was a tipping point for me because I, I, I mean I, I've been on this track I've been on this course but it was definitely it definitely 
catapulted things and, okay. and escalated things like dramatically and immediately versus it being just twos and fews out here trying to make a change like it literally for lack of better description shocked the world okay yeah so i i definitely think it was a matter of timing all right now Courtland. um I, 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 I'm just gonna. I'm gonna flat out say this, and people look at me crazy when when I tell them this. But um, I've seen um, both through the media and my personal experience. I've seen police brutality at work uh, since I've been a young man. I was 15 years old the first time a police officer put his gun to my head and literally said, "If you move, I will expletive shoot you. Okay. I will blow your brains out." 15 years old. That none of that was was new to me, and I've seen and witnessed a lot of things. The one thing that I haven't seen and probably will never watch is that George Floyd video. I've never seen it. I've heard some of the audio. I never watched it. I didn't need to. Um, the, 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 the fact that it happened, I think, did um, uh, uh, kind of set in motion the events that, that we're witnessing now, this movement. Um, his name kind of became the beacon of this movement. Um, but for me, it wasn't particularly George Floyd that kind of gave me that extra push. It was mm -hmm. what I saw going on around me. Uh, since I've been a young man, um, and I've had many conversations just within my collective of, of you know, uh, about this content and what, what do we do and is there anything we can do? And it's very, a very hopeless place to be um, because there was no movement. There was no vessel uh, for that message. And when I saw the dynamics of what was happening when I went to that protest specifically in Lawrence and I saw not just black folks, it was black folks, white folks, LGBTQ, I mean, uh, I, indigenous I, folks, Latino folks. Yeah. I, I, I knew at that moment that this is that vessel. Um, and again, I had reached out to Tasha, so I was already kind of, you know, I was, I was thinking I'll just do some little things here and there. Um, but 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 George Floyd, um, that was a, a horrible, horrible incident. But that was just one on top of many many, many others yes. um, uh, that 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 I had seen. So for me personally, it was and, and it's weird to think about it like that. It was the masses out in the street that inspired the man to go out in the street with them, and just over the last several months. Um, I've found myself in a position to where now those same masses are looking at myself and, and, and PJ um, as, 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 as hope, you know, as, as that vessel. Um, so, you know, George Floyd, horrible. But, and I don't think I just speak for myself, when you look out in those streets, when you watch those protests, rallies, the marches, all this going on, those faces, these aren't people who are just heartbroken about George Floyd. This is years, generations even, of anger, disgust, resentment, sorrow, sadness. Um, and I think all of that in combination is why this movement is not, it's not just Topeka, it's not Kansas, it is the entire world. Um, obviously, it's bigger than George Floyd. Yes, okay, all right. Did you have something else to say? No. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, what advice would you give someone who wants to be an advocate for a cause that they are so passionate about? Know your capacity. Okay. Know what you have the time, the energy, and the space to do. Don't sign up 
for more than you can handle because this work is draining. You have to live your life. You have to take breaks. You have to take care of yourself. You have to pay your bills. You have to raise your kids. Like, know your capacity because you, you can look up twice and you 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 five hundred dollars negative in the bank and <laughs> half the month's gone and you ain't paid your rent and. Yeah. And, 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 and you ain't spend time with your kids and you're behind in school type thing so like it's, it's know your know your capacity I mean your heart can be in the right place but you have to you have to be Able to conscious of well balanced yes. situation okay. what about you Courtland yeah I, I would definitely say the same um, I wouldn't have said that months ago but um, you know if there's something that, that, that you see and, and you want to affect change um, and you want to be a part of um, a, a part of that uh, you have to examine it as far as what you you feel like your role would be um, and, and, and play to those strengths mm -hmm. and and understand that if it's something you're extremely passionate about it's it's going to try to consume you um, BLM is not just when we rally it's not it is every waking moment of my life um, and I noticed that when I got into this that it started to consume me. It yeah. started to become everything I talked about, um, I, 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 even in my dreams. <laughs> I mean, um, and so, yeah, definitely understand what your limitations are and try to set some, make some, some boundaries because you're going to be pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, but don't be discouraged by any of that or anything that I'm saying. Um, I think a lot of it is what I did is is is, is seek out um, the the local organizations who were who are pushing for that who are, who are aligned with you, um, and go to them, and um, you know an email, a phone call, um, Facebook Messenger. We have all these forms of communications. Try to communicate with them, and just ask them. You know how can I help? Um, and if they're they're anything like, um, or like BLM, uh, it, it, they'll 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 have some stuff you can help with. Um, Always. Yeah, there's there's very few, I guess what you would say, um, organizers or uh, activists. Um, we are just the folks sitting at the table, um, but there are countless, countless people who support us. Oh yeah, def definitely, um, definitely from 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 all over the city, Topeka, Lawrence. Just, just I mean. Just for example, uh, the march that took less than an hour took maybe a month and a half of just networking, organizing, contacting folks, meeting them, having face-to-face -face meetings, and getting verbal commitments, and et cetera, et cetera. Like it's it's it's, it's a tireless road just for a, a, an hour of direct action. Yeah. Like they think okay. we just show up and we just march. No, no. There's, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces for that. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that uh, you do research also. Oh, wow. It, it isn't just a, somebody comes to you with a complaint and you just automatically assume that it's true. Yeah. You know, there's research behind that. There's, there's, like you said, there's countless other people behind that, that that you might necessarily not get along with, but you have to work with them to affect change. Correct. You know. Definitely. So. There's, there's, there's. If you're if you're passionate about a cause, um, there is a space for you. I can, I can guarantee you that. And 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 there's, you know, there there will be some sacrifice. You know, I've lost a job. Like I said, I've lost friends. I've lost a, a lot. Um, however, there is nothing um, more to me 
more fulfilling than knowing that your time and your energy, regardless of what it costs you, um, has been spent doing something that might not help you personally today, but maybe tomorrow or next week or next year, that eventually that cause will be forwarded to, to, to the place where you, you feel it should be. Um, to me, I, I, as, as human beings, as living beings, there, there's nothing um, more fulfilling uh, uh, than that, than saying, hey, I, I, I gave my time and my energy um, and I poured it into something that benefited mankind in, in a positive way. So if you have those feelings, if you have those notions, you have to, you have to act upon them. I would hate to be you know, 80 years old or whenever I decide I'm going to kick the bucket, laying there thinking, what could I have done? Because I've already said that for, I, I said that for 44 years. What can I do? So if you have that opportunity, you have to, you have to act upon it. Okay. And to be clear, <clears throat> Black Lives Matter is the offspring of civil rights movement. Yeah. It's a movement. This isn't our organization. It's definitely not my organization. The members aren't my members, et cetera, et cetera. It's not a matter of picking and choosing who can take part in this movement. Like, if you feel passionate enough and if you are not a danger to others, like, you're, you're welcome. Okay. All right. And a lot of what you're saying, it, it, it explains a lot, and people need to hear it again, that Black Lives Movement is basically like, not basically like the NAACP. I used to be president of the NAACP in uh, Mesquite, Texas. We need, we and, need, you, to, we need yeah, you to take over and, here. And what people don't understand is that you're not just helping people of color all the time. You're helping anybody that comes to you, like you said, marginalized people. There's white people that don't feel that there's nobody that can stand up for them because they don't have the resources that other people have. You know, so when you say that there's members out there or you could use anybody, that means any race that wants to come and help Black Lives Matter, reach out to y'all. Reach out, come help, you Definitely. know, do what you could do. Uh, every march that I've seen y'all at, there's all kind of different races. Definitely. You know, and people don't understand that. They think automatically, like you said, like y'all said earlier, that you're a terrorist, that you're doing this, that you're doing that. No, most of these uh, organizations, I'm not going to say in Topeka, but most of the organizations around here, these uh, some of these patriots need to be looked at as ter terrorists. You know, some of these patriot groups that uh, are started all over the country, you know, need to be looked at as terrorist groups. I think we need to rip the Band-Aid off, and just, there's organizations like that in Topeka, where okay. they, they stir up hate and confusion. Yeah. They don't do the research and they, they get emotional and they say the first thing that comes to their head, which just creates fear and, and, and terrorizes folks to the point where they believe that we're actually out here trying to do damage either to the police department or our community. When, for example, asking for like and my response to that is like, how is asking for there to be a city ordinance and a uh, policy within our department not to shoot someone in their back fleeing, how is that an endangerment to the community? Yeah. How does that endanger officers? That doesn't. To, to ban chokeholds, how is that a danger to the officer? How is that a danger to the community? 
if anything, I'm going to use the word uh, courtesy, which I got from our police department. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I question I question a lot of things. And there was an incident where uh, a, a young brother wasn't uh, explained what he was being detained for, arrested for, et cetera, et cetera. Had no information, was just taken to the police department. Witnessed it with my own eyes because I went with him to see his P.O. So I go straight to the police department and I spoke with the higher ups and they explained to me that to tell you what you're being detained for is a courtesy. They don't have to do that. I've also sat with officers during uh, uh, an open discussion with the uh, KG, our current DA. And the officers spoke in there and they said, well, a lot of things don't get publicized when they don't kill folks or people of color. And there's been tons of times where they quote unquote could have. And it's to the point where that is a, it's a hard pill for me to swallow because now it, 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 that feels like there's an expectation for a pat on the back or, or, or appreciation or thank you for you not killing us, for you extending that courtesy because your job right. Because yeah. yeah. apparently by law, you could have taken that life. You just gave that courtesy not to. Because in all, ultimately, in that moment, that officer was a better person than the officers that chose the latter. Okay. Yeah, we, we when, when <clears throat> before, before uh, Topeka police put up the, the big orange barricades around their police department, which I've always kind of felt, um, that never that, that 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 never really said okay with me uh, I, I felt like they were making a statement with that and i think that a lot of people saw that and that just furthered this idea that we were destructive that um that we were pushing people to be destructive that we wanted to seize the police department when it wasn't and it never has been anything that is something we've never spoken about and we'll never speak about and if we did i wouldn't be sitting here right now because i'm not about that life but there was a disturbance after a protest and there was a handful of folks who uh, were detained um, and they put those handful of folks in the front page of the newspaper yeah. and I don't know if people remember this but there, there was a, a gentleman who was dead center of those photos when that, yeah. when that was released mm -hmm. and it was a black man and I knew this guy personally um, and he, he, he's, he's kind of rowdy sometimes I'm in Wichita, Kansas I'm seeing this I'm like so I called Tasha and I said, what's up with our boy? What, what did he do? And she was like, Corlin, he wasn't even there. He was arrested at a, for In an East incident Topeka. miles away. East Topeka. Yeah. <laughs> from, from, and they pulled him in and the one black face that you saw was him. And he had nothing to do with it. And I had to jump through some hoops to try to, to, to get this man's picture taken off. Uh, of, of, of that newspaper to try to get him disconnected from that because I didn't like the optics of that at all and what was funny is they did but when the press release was sent to the local media it just said that this person wasn't involved you know what I was thinking was appropriate Would have been his was picture. some kind of public acknowledgement saying yeah. that rather than it just kind of being brushed under the rug. And, and, <clears throat> rug. and, 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 it's, and, and it's things like that that I think kind of um, further that, that line of thinking. And, and, and let's be honest, I mean, if you look through, through history, and you don't have to look back that far, 
This same rhetoric that we're hearing, I mean, even when it comes to we're the party of law and order, law and order was exactly the, I mean, the exact verbiage is being used all over again. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that no matter how peaceful we are, um, unless peaceful means just staying in the house and not saying anything like we've been doing for years, um, that we are going to be pegged as the bad guy, the villain, um, the antagonist, when all we were asking is stop killing us. We want accountability. Um, we want these numbers to change. When you look at the numbers across the nation, even in the state of Kansas, how is it that such a small minority of people are such a large majority of incarcerated people? We have to look at these things and we have, that, that has to change. And I don't think there's anything wrong with us asking that, but when we do start pushing those buttons, when we do start raising our voices, suddenly we're the bad guy. And, and I don't buy any of it. I never have. I, I can read, okay? I, yeah. I can look back through history and, and what we're seeing is, is what we've already seen before. Um, shame on them. And years from now, when you look at the civil rights mo movement and you, you know, see the guy punching a, 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 an old black lady in the face, there's a certain amount of shame that I'm sure some of those folks would feel. And, and, and years from now, shame on them, because that's where they're at now. Um, and, and, I, and I get it. I guess a protest has to have a counter-protest. And I don't know why it's that way, but they will have their day of reckoning. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time anymore trying to explain or re-explain or shed light on or any of those things with people who want to feel that way about us because they're going to feel that way anyway. And, and I, you know, I don't have the energy okay. to do it. The, the masses don't do their research. They don't do their homework. They go off of hearsay, et cetera, et cetera. When you speak of that... Uh, I'm gonna, I don't even know what to call it. It, it. it was initially in a march held by some youngsters. And at the end of that march, a second group, group. protested yeah. and headed to the police department. Yeah. Now, BLM of Topeka has respect from our police department. And that has been expressed through action such as when that protest happened, I mean, I personally was on my way home to pick up my kids. Topeka, uh, the police department called me and was like, hey, there's kids out here. They're throwing rocks. They're banging on the windows. If, we, if they break a window, we have to take action. Can you come out here? I turn around. I go back out there. I don't know any of those folks. They were not BLM. They were not even part of the initial march that had took place earlier. <clears throat> Still, I managed to get those folks off of TPD property and it, to the sidewalk and in the streets. I got them to stop vandalizing the cars and stop throwing rocks just from, you know, yelling at them like, hey, what are you doing? Get on the sidewalks, et cetera, et cetera. While doing that, <clears throat> this is where it gets tricky. While, while that process was happening, I don't know if it was uh, the state troopers were called to the point where I got a call and TPD was like, hey, it's out of our hands. State troopers are coming out, it's out of our hands now. So me coming out there to aid our police department and to help them not hurt these kids, which were 
let's say 85% white kids. They got tear, we got tear gassed. To the point where, luckily, I, I was skilled and prepared for this, to the point where we we're helping news media, we're helping those kids, we're helping folks that were just out there with milk and magnesia pointed in their eyes, my eyes burning, their eyes burning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and it's just a matter of, my point to that is, yes, there's a level of respect. Yes, there's a level of, they know that we are a true voice of the community. Whether we have relationship with folks or not, there's a presence there that is appreciated, for lack of better description. Okay. But at the same time, <coughs> it's, 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 it's that, that, that nervousness that they have to deal with and make a call and then have to face whether it was the right call or not. It's not for me to say, but just, I mean, basic human needs of just being a basic human is like it was the wrong call. First off, I mean, you don't tear gas kids. Why? For being out in the streets? Why don't we, they, they could have just blocked the streets off. Allowed them to let their voices be heard, they would have went home. There's, I mean, there's ways to do things, like uh, uh, what happened with Dominique White, may he rest in peace with his murder. They take different tactics now. They've even expressed that to us. We do things differently. And for them to do things differently is to say that that way was wrong. Okay. They know these things. They can't publicly say these things. The struggle with changing policy is to say that they were wrong. Changing laws is to say that they were wrong. Because the biggest thing uh, our current DA even says, which you have to, you have to swallow that pill is, those officers didn't break the law. When it comes to uh, 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 Miss Tamika with her incident being mishandled by the TPD on a traffic stop, those officers didn't break or, the law or violate policy. Same thing when the kid was handled and mishandled. Those officers didn't break the law, didn't break policy. So this goes back to the issue is the laws and policies, because this never should be okay for a, 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 a kid with mental health issues to be treated the way he was treated. It was never, like, it's not, those laws aren't okay if it's okay to pull a woman over in a traffic stop and send her to the hospital. Yes. So basically, uh, when it comes down to laws, what people need to understand, we're pushing so much for the national vote that we need to push a lot more for the local vote equal we yes because the local is going to have more impact on us than the national people out there that's just my opinion now as far as like changing policies and changing laws locally you know and changing how the police department operates how you know people respond to 911 how um, if it's $25 ticket for you crossing the street or if it's no parking downtown but you get a ticket because there is no parking downtown but you only got an hour to park who does stuff in an hour you right. know <laughs> I mean you can't keep moving your vehicle in an hour and that's it's just little stuff like that that we need to really look at and start changing local policies and local you know uh, 
senators and local uh, congressmen and, and you know all the. I I would challenge you to think statewide. Yes. Because statewide is where the biggest ripple effect can make the biggest change. S locally, we can change ordinances. Yes. But that doesn't go no further than I-70 to 470, mm -hmm. maybe some county land. If we want to be safe here at, in Kansas, where we call home, like city to city, like we all need to stand up. And to me, Kansas is home. Like it's bigger than Topeka. I mean, Kansas may be small on a national level, but like if we can get Kansas on the right track, we're in the middle and everything comes through Kansas. Kansas. No matter where you're going, you, you're going to touch the Midwest. Yes, exactly. Well, I take that back, but still, you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, you're, you're still touching them. If you're going from east to west, you, you're touching you, you the gotta Midwest. you got to touch the Midwest. No matter if you're going through the air or whatever, you're still touching the Midwest. You it's know. Uh, uh, multiple multiple uh, tentacles, I guess you could say. Yes. And that's the, that was a revelation that I had. Um, I don't know, it was maybe two months ago. Um, uh, I think a revelation that was kind of, well, it, was, it was presented to us, and that is that you have to look at local, you have to look at state, yes. you have to look at national. Um, Federal. We, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to push, we're going to push those buttons wherever we can push them. Yes. Because all we have is our voices and our vote. Um, and especially with this particular election, it's imperative to me that we keep that momentum because at the end of the day, I don't care if it's just in Topeka, if Shawnee County, if it's the state of Kansas, or it's the entire country, they need our vote. You ask any politician out there, that's exactly. why they pander to us. Yes. The way we approach this in the future has to change. The question needs to be, what are you doing for black people? I... I uh, what are you doing to help us? I, I, we can't just hand out our vote anymore. And, and, I, and, I, and maybe I'm going to come under some fire for saying this, but I'm going to say that honestly, and maybe it's just our current political system, the way things work, even Barack Obama had his hands tied to an extent. But I feel like the brother could have done more for black people, mm -hmm. um, which made it easy for you know the Trumpster to turn around and say that he's done all these things for black people. But um, we need to consolidate our vote, um, educate our people as to what it is that we need, and hold these politicians accountable. And if, if you can't give us something, then you get nothing from us. Um, because we can't keep being used. And I think all the American people in, in certain respects are used. You know, politicians are known for telling you what you want to hear, and maybe getting in office and doing something different. Um, but that has to change, and I think that's something that's going to take a long time. It, it, you know, in a, in a perfect world, of us, we could um, we could, as a people, um, collectively um, understand that that if you if 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 you're not doing something for us, because there are things that need to be done, um, and 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 again, without sounding divisive, um, we are years behind the rest of this country as a people generations yeah um that has to be addressed and it has to be addressed through through politics and policy and if they're not willing to do it the current folks we have out there we're growing some right now who will 
And when, when the leaders from our generation, or especially my children's generation, their understanding of what things should truly be um, is way different than I think um, you know, our parents and our grandparents. Yeah. They got uh, the world in their hand, right? They're yes. Their phone, right? Our vote is so powerful. We, yes. have to, we have to wield that vote and that power like a sword. And if you're not going to come right, if you're not going to come correct, you ain't getting nowhere. And what we're also doing is raising generations of, of folks who understand that. Bar Barack Obama was a great man. Um, what he did, I didn't think I'd see in my lifetime. I say that all the time. You know, I will never see a black president. Where, you know, it's never going to happen. And it did. But I think we can do better. Yeah. I think we will do better. Um, it's just we have to start really educating our children and our children's children just how powerful, how much power we actually have. Um, and so that way when they come and, and pander to us, if you're not saying the right words, you got to go. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see politically a generation from now, um, I think we're going to see some really extremely powerful um, uh, young black men and women who are going to understand what it is that we need, and that's where our votes are going to go. I think it's important for the youth to know that politicians don't listen to the youth, and they don't listen to the youth because the youth don't vote, and they consider that political suicide. They cater to the folks that vote and that consistently vote and that has historically vote. And they, they, they listen to those categories. Kansas has the lowest youth vote in the nation. The vote coming up would be the Latino vote. As black folks, we still have the lowest, the lowest voting turnout we're, I'll definitely stay in Kansas. I don't know about it in the nation, but like, we, we, we have to vote or they won't listen. Yes. They won't listen because at the end of the day, these, these politicians are in it for a career. So. Yep, you got hot. <laughs> <laughs> I can still see y'all. <laughs> yeah, okay. we, we, yeah. we just saw two, two young brothers were walking down the street. We were, we were doing some work today and they, they walked across. And uh, this is just PJ, and this is something yeah. I've learned from PJ. And this is this is this is good stuff too. When you see a, a brother or sister, you engage them. We we got to start speaking to each other. And he did. He said, "Hey, what's up, fellas?" And he said, "You know, y'all did y'all vote?" And it was interesting. One kid said, "No, I'm I, I I I'm not going to." You know. The other kid said something even more interesting. He said, "Well, I I registered, but I ain't going to vote." And when 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 PJ starts having this conversation to him, what became very uh, very real was they didn't know who to vote for. Um, I, I think that, a lot of pride kids... Not to cut you off real quick, that, that's not too surprising because not just them being kids, a lot of people don't know who to vote for. Because when you actually go to vote, there's names on there that you're like, where, where did these people come from? Yeah. If you didn't do your research. Right. And it takes time to do your research. And people don't understand that, listen, you... It ain't just going to be out there, and it ain't just going to be, uh, it ain't just necessarily always Republican, Democrat type stuff, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, a lot of people change their party, but they still got the same ideology yes. when it comes to who they're going to represent. Mm 
who they want to represent. They might have been Republican for the last 30 some years, then all of a sudden want to switch over to Democrat to try to get in there and then, but still have the same Republican type views or Democrat type views, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And so you got to do your research on that person also, but that takes time. And, and we, I know we were going to put a panel together basically asking the candidates questions, but this year, I don't know, for some reason, this year you didn't know who the candidates were until three to four weeks out mm-hmm. across the country. I mean, across the state at least, you know, so that's kind of hard to try to do your research in that two to three to get the word out to everybody. I will say, and I don't, I'm not, I don't have the permission to say their names, but there's, there's tons of folks that, that, that help us do the research. They, 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 they follow people. They show up to, uh, they sit on committees and they show up to meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. A lot of things that we don't have the, the, the capacity to do ourselves. They, they're folks, I mean, that's their way of supporting. They show up and they take care of these things. They bring back data. They bring back research, et cetera, et cetera. And we have compiled a list that we have on our uh, Black Lives Matter Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter and we've put out who we have endorsed to vote and okay. it, it turns out with I mean just vote Democrat yeah. with the research we're done we're, we're, we're doing if the name has a D by it market but I, I, I will say I, I we have endorsed uh, Josh Luttrell running for DA on the same token I like Mike Kagate as well. Okay. I believe he's a man of his word. Luttrell has great ideas. Uh, he's so progressive that, I mean, it'd be mind-blowing and, and super good for Topeka if he was to win that, 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 that office. But all is not lost if we still end up with Kagate. on In that office, everywhere else, I, I highly suggest, I strongly suggest just just any D in parentheses, mark that box. I, I myself have not ever voted before because I was always a, in a situation to the point where I, I believed I wasn't able to vote. So this was my first year registering to vote. And I understand how... how People feel left out? Not even people feel left out. It's just like I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know how to vote. I didn't know what a, a ballot looks like. I got there and was like, who are these names? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the write-ins? Yeah. It was like, who do you write in? <laughs> I wrote myself in all yeah. of them. <laughs> I didn't know what I was yeah. doing. And that's, that's something that we need to, that's something that the kids need to learn, though. It is. When, when they first coming out of school or high school or when they able to vote, you know. I, I haven't vote, voted early yet because I have anxiety walking in there and voting. Yeah. It's, I, I'm stepping out of my lane because mm-hmm. I've never voted. Like, but at the same time, it was a hard experience because I, I think I was shared this with Cortland. Like, when uh, 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 Barack Obama's first term, when he at first the first year he first time he on his first term when he won, I was incarcerated. Not only could I not vote, I couldn't even properly celebrate. All I could do is bang on my door and yell. Yeah. Second term, I'm on probation. Couldn't even vote him in again. So like the biggest experience and, and, and monumental. Thing to happen in my lifetime, I couldn't even participate in, which yeah. is why I vote now. Yeah, it won't happen again. 
Okay. And it, which is why I encourage everyone to vote. I was at, uh, um, I was at the, believe it or not, when, when, when Barack Obama was elected his first term, I was at the Republican Watch Party at the Capitol Plaza Hotel. Uh, suffice to say, I was one of the only brothers in the room. Yeah. And I'm working. I got my camera. They had all these big TVs set up everywhere, and I'm standing in front of these TVs. And if you remember this, I mean, it, it was done. Yeah. I mean, Barack Obama absolutely just, yeah. I mean, he just Mud handed slot. that yeah. man his, his, his head, you know. And so no one saw that coming. And I'm standing in front of this monitor, and it pops up, and all of a sudden you see John McCain, and he's like, hey, I'm done, y'all. And so I'm filming this with my camera. And as I'm filming it, everyone's watching. And I put my camera down, I'm just, it, my mind is blown. Like, I felt like he would win, but the fact that it happened that quick. Yeah. And I put my camera down, and when I turn around, because I'm going to pan and get a shot of the other people in the room, they're all looking at me. It was the most surreal, one of the most surreal moments of my life. They're all looking at me like, what are you going to do? Uh, there was another journalist that I was working with who was also a black man. And I look across the room at him, he's just like, because, you know, I was jumping <laughs> yeah. down. And so uh, they had champagne. They yeah. were handing out champagne. And I meet up with him, and we go to a table. We, take, we each take a glass of champagne, and we go out of the building by the dumpster and toast and celebrate. It, I, I just thought about that one, you know. But, uh, but, but going back to what PJ was saying, I think that um, what I hope to see and what I think we will see is in the future um, and something that we, we are uh, extremely serious about is voter education mm -hmm. and trying to get the youth trying to engage them. Um, I think that in the years to come, especially with the generation following us, um, we're gonna see huge change, especially in, 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 in the black vote, in, in the numbers. Um, yes. uh, we're, we're, that's so important, and, and we're really pushing that. Yeah. that well, I think come uh, the 4th of November, you're gonna see the big numbers, the turnouts that actually this election has I, I have so much anxiety over this election <laughs> I think I, I don't want to be in a yeah. world with another term of if Trump you, yeah if you look at the early voter turnout it's already it's it's, yeah. it's already it's bigger the, than the numbers Obama. yeah exactly yeah exactly so I think yeah I think yeah. we want to see landslide numbers and and yeah I'm not going to speculate on yeah. <laughs> who the victor's going to be but he's up right, right. now in Kansas yeah. huh Trump is up right now in Kansas yeah yeah to be expected Fourteen percent. Yeah, but we read it, no, you know. Okay. So it'll be all right, you know. I hope so. <laughs> what uh, What is the hardest and most honest leadership critique that you had ever been given, PJ? Mm. Just knowing ahead of time, before I do anything, that I'm going to get it wrong that I don't know precisely exactly what I'm doing and that there's no roadmap or previous experience to what I'm doing because history is being wrote with every move we make. Every word we say, every step we take, history is being making. I mean, it's, 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 I mean we're, 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 we're walking on blank pages here. Like we're picking up the mantle where it was put down. Yeah. Okay, now here, let me stop you here real quick. What is the most honest critique someone has given you? The most honest critique someone has given me. As far as your leadership. Mm. 
That is a good one. Let's come back to you. Come back yeah. to me. All right, Cortland. What about you? Uh, yeah. Um, I, I think probably the, the, the most honest. Um, and it usually comes from a family member, a wife, girlfriend, yeah. a kid, your kids, uh, or, you know. I, I know there's something that, that, that I was, you know, kind of beat over the head with pretty much growing up. And it's something that, 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 that I still, I think about it every day. Um, and that is uh, handle your business. I, I always say keep banging. Um, because oftentimes if you're in a position where you're, where you're leading, or even if it's a, a, a team effort, or even if it's just something personally you're trying to achieve, um, the world's going to kind of kick your ass a little bit. Um, and the more that you fail, um, the more important that task obviously is. is yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, my pops gave me that advice as a young man, and, you know, you apply that to, I've applied that to, to many things in my life, is that um, failure is a bigger part of succeeding than actually succeeding. You're going yeah. to experience, experience more failure. Um, that uh, came to life, uh, especially between PJ and myself, um, there were some moments that we've had, you know, in our group um, that have been very traumatic. Um, you know, folks that were close to us, folks that, that, that um, you know, you, you feel like you breathe for them. Um, and then, you know, certain events happen and folks kind of step back, especially with BLM. Yes. I mean, it's not easy. <coughs> Being an activist isn't easy. Being an activist with BLM, um, to me, is, 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 is even harder. Um, because of all of the things that we're held accountable for that have nothing to do with us. Yes. You know, a lot of the back to blue folks are, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're tearing, they're burning up cities. And then it's like, we're, this just, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, and, and not that we shame the folks that are. No, I understand. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, there's, I'm, a, there's a level of severity and it's different with every city. Yeah. I, uh, I think even Dr. King understood that. And the really ironic part about it was that, you know, Dr. King, an amazing human being, did amazing things. But again, I can read and I understand history. They didn't pass that law until after they killed that man. Yes. And what happened after they killed that man was people lost it. And that's unfortunate on both sides. Um, but I do understand that explosion of emotion. Um, and, 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 and BLM, this movement is the Black Lives, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and BLM is one of the vessels inside of this movement. Um, but we are often bombarded with things. Um, and so we, we had, you know, occurrences and, and people had to step back. You know, we had a... We had a protest, and there was a counter-protest, and it got, I don't say scary, because fear is not something that I choose to, 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 um, to acknowledge. Yes. Um, I don't have the capacity for it. Uh, it would stifle me. But um, there were things that happened that made some people scared, or made some people worried, or made some people angry, and all these different things. My man here got it, got it handed to him, um, because 
and that rings true, PJ, that, that, that no matter what, PJ kind of, he's, he's the face. You know, he's, he's, he's that guy. And, when, and no matter what we do, things aren't going to go right. You know, things are going to happen that are out of our control, but he's going to be the guy who has to, to face yeah, through. Uh, yeah. um, and that, that advice, that keep banging, um, that's, that, I think that's a big part of the reason that I'm, I'm still here because um, it's, it's not easy what we do yes. at all, especially uh, for PJ. Um, and uh, we have faced so much adversity. And um, I mean, I've had people say things to me, and I've seen messages and comments that are, quite frankly, disturbing. You know, I, mean, I, have, I have a family. You know, I, 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 I want to go home every, every night just like anybody else. Um, and, and the more that we're challenged, um, the more ill intent that people may have or, or the, the angrier they want to become with us is the, the more I'm motivated because we are definitely, um, doing something for the greater good. That's why we face so much pushback. So yeah, keep banging. That's, that's definitely the best, most honest advice I've ever been given. Okay. And I, I <laughs> thought of it yet? I've been thinking. I think I I I, I still want to definitely go back to uh, that. I've always been told by folks that I want to even say, dare I say, mentors that it's okay to get things wrong. Yeah. Not only that it's okay to get things wrong, but also, and this is a motto I've lived by. He's probably heard me say it a thousand times. We don't silence black women. You do not remove black women from the movement. And it's just, I mean, I mean, we're, we're here to amplify voices and speak up for those who can't show up and speak up for themselves. Do whether it's uh, their lifestyle is risky for them to step forward and put that kind of light on themselves or whatever the case may be. Because, I mean, folks question all the time, like, well, why don't more black folks show up? And typically these are folks that haven't experienced that culture. You, you don't come from a place where you have to do whatever you have to do to make sure the lights are on or the kids are fed. Or, and you don't go through all this depression and anxiety and whatever other mental health issues that we just call tripping yeah. or that we're going through things or we just had a bad day and uh, 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 buck up keep pushing or you know quit whining etc cetera, etc cetera. we didn't know that was depression we didn't know that was anxiety no. we, we didn't even have the language for that and there's a lot of folks still to this day who do not and think that therapy is something that white folks do and where you go lay on the couch and tell them about your childhood I mean there's a lot of stereotypes that we still need to educate folks about to open doors to allow us to grow in ways that we haven't experienced before, but those doors aren't open and this information isn't out there to the point where we have to show up. We have to be bold. We have to go to the community like, how can we support you? Because these issues that we come up with, like I, I, we didn't just sit together and be like, okay, these are our demands. Mm -hmm. We talk to people. We ask them what their issues are. We've reached out to the uh, indigenous folks and the uh, tribal leaders. Like, how can we support you? We reach out to the Latino folks. Like, how can we support you? We go to our black community. Like, what are your issues? And we compile these things together. And then we take the extra step of how can we make these statewide? 
How can this affect everyone in this state? And then abracadabra here goes our demands. These, I mean, these aren't PJ's demands. These aren't just BLM demands. These are demands of people of color. These are the, the marginalized folks, folks that get stepped on and forgot about, folks that who, who, who have issues with police and nothing gets said about it, nothing gets done about it. It's just the way things are. Okay. All right. Did you have something else to say there? No. no. Yeah. Okay. Soaking it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you love about Topeka, and what's one thing that you would change about Topeka? It's home. Okay. If 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 anything, the only thing I would change are the things that we're asking to change. Okay. Other than that, I mean, this is home. I, I I've kissed the ground. I, I I've bled in these streets. I've fought in these streets. I mean, this is home. I, I, I wouldn't go anywhere. Folks tell me all the time, I mean, when I did music and concerts and whatnot and, and like a music award shows and whatnot, they're like, dude, you need to do this in Florida or you need to do this in Houston, et cetera, et cetera. And my, my thinking process has always been if you build it, no matter where you are, if you build it, they'll come. Yeah. I want to build Topeka. Okay. It's the crib. It's home. All right. How about you? Um. I think uh, my favorite thing about Topeka and, 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 and Kansas in general is, is the history, okay. uh, oh. especially Topeka, and not just the history, but the unseen history, the unspoken history, the history that, that um, had such a huge impact on the entire country um, that, that people don't often see. And maybe it's because it's Kansas, it's just not one of those places you talk about a lot, but um, I love uh, the, the history uh, of Kansas. Um, I think what I love most probably about uh, Topeka is when I was a young man, I was growing up in Parsons, Kansas, small town, southeast quarter of Kansas. Yeah. So Topeka, it was like a big city to me. I mean, this place was huge when I was a young man and I would come here and visit. Now being older, you know, drive yeah. one side of town in you know, 12 minutes. Yeah. But um, I've, 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 I've always uh, liked uh, Topeka as a city, um, especially uh, the history of, of Topeka, uh, which lends itself to what I would like to see change. And I think um, Omni Group um, are doing a lot of work um, in this regard. Is um, uh, Dan, uh, um, uh, shout out to Michael. Michael. Yeah, yeah. Um, one 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 of their one of their folks uh, gave me a, a crazy history lesson just a few weeks ago that I didn't know Topeka was the home of the first. Uh, the first black publication, the first black newspaper, was here in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, had no idea. Um, and there's Sherry? several stories like that. And I wish and I hope that, especially in our local schools, that we can start uh, start teaching folks about that. I mean, of all the great things that happened um, in this city, I mean, Brown, Brown v. Board. That's one of the big ones, and maybe it overshadows some of the smaller ones. But huge, huge history. Of people of color in Topeka, Kansas, and and I, I really hope that we can start kind of uh, exploring that and and sharing it, and not with just you know Kansans, but the rest of the country as well. Okay, all right. Uh, what's one core message from a past or current mentor that has helped shape your life? I'd have to say during my incarceration. Uh, I won't say their names, but like it was a retired mob figure guy, and also like other 
leaders of other huge organizations like I, I got mentored a lot in there and I had a handful of folks from different places everywhere from the Aryan Brotherhood to Texas Mexican Mafia to the, the Kansas City uh, Italian families that told me that I didn't belong there and that I had a head on my shoulders and that if that I came back I was going to get a proper chastising okay. and I had no intentions on coming back but in those weak moments where I struggle, I definitely keep that in mind. And, and it's not, not as a fear tactic, but as these folks have lived their life and seen a lot more than I have. And for them to see something in me, it's just like, I mean, I, I have to make better choices or else I'm, I'm wasting my opportunity and, and, and what time I have in my, with my life. All right. Uh, I, yeah, I'd have to go back to my to my pops again. I mean, okay. he, uh, uh, he he uh, we lost him in, in, in two thousand four, I believe. But uh, anything that I've achieved in in life um, has been based on what he and he was a stepdad too. So oftentimes, I mean, I could kind of compare him to a mentor because this is a man who stepped into to our life. He didn't have to take care of us. You know, we were somebody else's kids. Um, but he raised us like his kids. He loved us like his kids. But he also, um, again, and I, it was hard for me to swallow as a kid because I was just like, whatever, man, just leave me alone. But um, the idea that you always have to handle your business, you always have to push forward. Um, I, I apply those teachings to everything that I've ever done. Um, by far, um, the... the the best advice from a mentor I ever got was from, was from him and that, um, you know, if you're doing something and you can't go 110 miles an hour doing this, if you can't, if it, it, like I said about BLM, if it doesn't consume you, then it's probably a waste of your time. But if you find that it consumes you, it's, it's, it's also going to hurt you. Yes. It's going to love you, but it's going to hurt you. It's going to be critical of you. Um, when I started in television, I sat in the newsroom. I don't have a, a you know, college education. I was a kid who wanted a job. I was sleeping on my mom's couch. She said, what are you going to do? So I went to this TV station. I said, hey, you know, can you guys hire internships? And they were, what do you mean hire, hire an intern? You're, you're an intern. What school do you go to? I was like, I don't go to school. And the lady hands me a job application. I fill it out. And a couple weeks later, they call me. And the guy is interviewing me. And he says, you know, you're not a college grad. What, what are you going to bring to, to this? You know, what are you going to bring? What can you do for me? And I looked at him, and I didn't know what else to say. And I said, well, how do you like your coffee? And he goes, what? I said, how do you like your coffee? And he kind of leaned back in his chair, and he goes, oh, I get it. Funny guy. I get it. And I walked out. And they hired me a couple weeks later. But, you know, that mindset, um, there's something that was given to me from, from my pops, you know. Um, just because they say you can't doesn't mean you can't. You just have to figure out how. Yeah. Uh, and that was my way of, you know, he hired me and I just outworked him and I sat in that newsroom and people with master's degrees and they're like, well, what is your 10 year plan for? And I'm like, I'm just trying to pay my bills next month. Right. Um, but I said, I want to be in LA in 10 years. And they're like, well, where'd you go to school? I was like, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm doing the PA work. I'm doing the work that nobody else wants to do. And uh, they were like, well, you got to understand the way this works and it takes years to make it to a top three market and blah, blah, blah. And um, basically they said that you can't, that I need to go back to school, get an education. And I made it in six. Um, that was based on my, my, my pop's advice. And that's something I think that 
anybody, you know, anybody can, when they say you can do whatever it is you want to do, you can. It's just what are you willing to sacrifice? Yes. BLM, this movement, um, I want to see change. Me, I'm an impatient person. I want this all to happen tomorrow. PJ oftentimes has to be like, dude, sit down. Because, you know, I want, I want it now. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do believe we can achieve it, and that's based on some great mental yeah. advice from my, my stepdad. Yeah. And, and like you said earlier, even if you don't see it, you know your kids will see Absolutely. the work that you put in to affect their life. Absolutely. You know, I had an uncle once tell me uh, I wanted to mess with computers, and I didn't know nothing about computers. He said, listen, go up to the local computer store. I was living in Leavenworth at the time. I was in the military. He said, go up to the local computer store. Tell them that you will work for free while you, they're teaching you. And I went up there, and the guy said, you will work for free. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, come on. Let's go. Yeah. And that's anything. You know, anybody that wants to do something, if you don't know it and you don't have the money or the capacity or the willingness to go to school, understand that you can go out there and do anything you want. You just got to be willing to put yourself out there and go ask the question, that, hey, can you show me how to do this? Definitely. You know, and someone will show you how to do it. Because like the, like the guy was telling you, Cortland, that you got to understand how the system works. Well, he understands how the system works, and it's based on education depending on where you're from. Depending on where you're from, it's also based on who you know. Yeah. So he knows how it how it works. We need to teach our kids how it works. Yeah. You know, we get gotta get them out there networking. We gotta get them out there pushing, knowing people and knowing certain people in certain situations. And when they do have that education, then they will get that chance to step out there and, and do it. But if they don't have the education, still go out there and learn positions by just volunteering. Yeah. You know. Just volunteering with BLM and any organization that y'all were talking about earlier, you network. It's a it's a networking process, and you get to know people, and you know, and people are willing to put time, invest time in you, yes. you know, once they get to know you, yeah. you know. So, um, how do you balance life between your family and your advocacy? That's a hard question once you're, when you're advocating. I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> still trying to figure that out. I mean, it's to the point where you have to make time. Yeah. Especially when it comes to the family. I have five kids. So every other weekend and a few days out of the week, like there's nothing else going on. After my work day, I, I'm with my kids. I'm yeah. not on the phone. None of that. I, I, I'm with my kids, and, and I, I almost have to make myself do that because there's always things that need to be done. Uh, yes. Always. And as as far as balance, like I mean, there was a week that went by, and it was like, but I I put in sixty hours of just activism. It's like when I when I when I rounded it off and, and estimated it, mm -hmm. and had work that week, and so then lies the question, like, well, how much time did you spend with your family? Yeah. When's the last time you seen your brothers? So I mean, it, it's it, and time flies like it's, it's it's dark already. Yes. And like I I haven't been home since this morning. Yeah. Just just grinding. But I mean, at the end of the day, I I still provide, I still protect, and I mean, I I do the best I can with what I have to work with. Okay. Cool. Now some may not call that well balanced, but I mean, it's all I got. 
What is balance for you? Everybody's balance is different. Balance for me is only accept only upsetting one person that day. Okay. If I can get away with just that, I think it's a good day. <laughs> All right. Versus everyone mad at me. Yeah. Cortland. Yeah, I'm with PJ. I'm still trying to figure out how to. I don't know that it's possible. There's always I feel like there's always someone, and sometimes someone is me that is is going to feel shorted. Yeah. Um, you know, any particular any given day or any given week. Um, I, I I do also realize that um, I can't. Um, I am not. I'm I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about the movement. I'm just a, I'm a very passionate emotional person um, and so I'm very in the moment I mean for instance you know we, we knew we were coming here to do this at five the, the bell we heard the bell tower PJ was reminded we came here at five I texted my partner said hey babe I'm, I got to do this interview you know and I was like but you know probably be a half hour maybe 45 yeah. minutes and here it is seven o'clock <laughs> yeah what she my family balances me okay um, they understand me and they also understand and, and uh, I, I think I would have been that advice to someone too who wanted to step into this world is that you have to be humble and you have to listen to the people who care about you because you will go 100 miles an hour in a certain direction and if you're not willing to step back when people say hey we need you over here um if you're not willing to be balanced know your capacity um, willing to be open and say you know i'm going to have to step back from this for now and, and, and take care of these things um then i think you could probably find yourself um very um wrapped up in whatever um, you know role you're serving as, as an activist but you're also going to find yourself being a very lonely person um, for me I have people who genuinely care about me um, and they're not scared to say yeah you're tripping we need you home yeah. um, at the same time um, they, they also understand that there's going to be times where I, I just can't be there um, so in, in, in that balance um, I try not to stress out too much about it because it'll drive you crazy. Because like I mm -hmm. said, I feel like I'm always cheating someone. Um, that, but be open um, to the folks who care about you um, and willing to, uh, to step away from things where it's like, okay, my presence isn't absolutely necessary here. And also, um, I've been extremely lucky that um, even the folks within BLM, um, PJ, a lot of our allies, other activists, were extremely understanding. One of the first things I learned when I came into this movement was you have to take care of you, take care of your mind. And if you can't be there, if you don't have the capacity, if you don't have the energy, we don't, we don't need you here. You know, stay home, be with your family. Um, and those are another, uh, there's another kind of source of that external balancing act, you know. Come back when you're ready. Yeah. I'm just sitting here listening and just literally it's just dawning on me that the, the sacrifice is being made just to do what I do like I mean there's there's constant issues with my I mean my, my partner because I mean we're both just hugely in activism to the point where like there's no us time even like our us time <laughs> consists of strategizing organizing don't forget this hey we have a meeting there mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. to the point where it's just like I mean I, I I feel like since March, the end of March, there's been no like just disconnect from the world where like I could just be with my partner, hang out or just, you know, cook or whatever. It's, uh, 
phone's always ringing something always needs to be done and then there's the work aspect because i mean money needs to be made like no one pays our bills yeah so i mean it's like like things get like my personal life has been set to the side Mm-hmm. And what's left of it is a struggle to the point where I, I'll fight for folks all day and come home and, 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 and yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a lot. Listen, just, just the, uh, you didn't even have to say nothing. Just the last part of that, yeah. you know, it, it says it all. I mean, when you're in activism, and like I said, you know, with me being in NAACP and stuff and in different situations all over the country, and, you know, uh, it's, ah, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it, 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 I mean, your family, like, you, you sacrifice your family a lot. I mean, it's like you have to be enough for everyone. Yes. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of, you know, shout out to the families. Definitely. Shout out to the, to the partners, to the, yes. you know, the kids. And Definitely. Definitely. You Thank know the you. moms and the dads that you know you you you're you're in their life, but you're not present at the time. Right. You know, and even when you're present, like you said, you're you're constantly thinking about yes. something else. What's the next step? What's what's this? What's just that? Just remembering you forgot you know? something, and, or just and, and you get to the point. Well, I say I get I got to the point sometimes where it's like you go to help somebody, and you you taking care of it. But you find out that they don't want to try to get it some help from somewhere else, and so now you helping them, and somebody else is helping them, and y'all banging heads because the person that y'all going to to talk to <laughs> don't know who to talk to because he's like, well, the situation with me was I would help people in school, and the parents would come to me, and I would go argue the case for them. Well, you know, I'm still at work. You know, I come home, the person calls me from the school saying, hey, well, listen, all right, am I talking to you or am I talking to the parent again? Because they were just up here for two hours and we negotiated this stuff, but then you're saying something totally different. Right. And so you got to call them and say, well, listen, if you're going to handle it, I don't mind. Handle it. But let me know. Right. Because at the time, I'm arguing a situation trying to get your results and you didn't already got results but you're still trying to find out what other results i could get from right. it you know so it's like wait a minute here yeah. i mean who's getting played here yeah you know i mean yeah. and so I'm, I'm not saying y'all ever came into that situation you'd be surprised yeah i'm i know but I, i'm just saying you know i don't it, it's hard and it's it's hard on your family because you start taking vacation time to handle situations i'm, I'm sorry what is that yeah exactly I've, you know, I, I, I yeah. had, my vacation was incarceration. Yeah, I ain't been but anywhere else. Like like your days off, you handle situations dealing with the organization instead of actually taking days off to deal with your family. Yeah, you know. And if you let it go too far, they're going to be too far out there before you can reel them back. Uh, no, so see, just I, I, so just make sure, and I'm, and this is just me to you, mm-hmm. to both of you. Just make sure that you don't forget the most important thing of advocacy Kids. is the cornerstone at the house. Yeah, see, I, uh, see my, my, my partner's a little more, uh, she's a little more rough around the edges than that. Yeah. Uh, I, she's the boss. She yeah. is. Um, uh, fortunately, she, you know, she's really, really laid back about 
uh, when to put that foot down. But when she does, I'm there. Um, the, the, it was just, I think, Monday. You know, she, she looked at me. She said, I'm, I'm really proud of you. Yes. I was like, yeah, well, thank you. And she goes, but I miss you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it was like, you got to balance, you know, you yeah. balance that out. She, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm really lucky in that, in that way. Yes. Um, that, I, like I said, I'm very, sometimes, I guess you could describe it as all over the place. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. I'm doing it now. Let's go. All right, let's go. Um, but I'm very fortunate in that I think folks recognize some of that recklessness. Yeah. And uh, even PJ, um, and they, they'll sit me down, you know. And I need that. I need that, I need that in, in, in my life because I don't think that I'm necessarily capable of doing it myself. Um, and that's a, that's a huge blessing yes. that, that, that I have. So uh, to, to someone else, uh, that would be the only advice. That would be the only advice I can give them. Just, you know, like you said, be aware of your time. Mm-hmm. Be aware of your energy and, and where you're spending it. And um, be present. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's present. hard. That's yes. hard because, yeah. like you said, even, even when you're present, your, your mind might be somewhere else. You know? That's, that's you, what I mean yeah. by be yeah. present. You, you, and, and I, I, I appreciate yeah. my partner so much because I've learned so much from her. Yeah. That, I mean, I, 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 I feel like she's embedded in my DNA. Like, I, I will. Like throughout my day, it's just like, oh, I learned that. He can he can attest to it. It's like I learned this, and this is where I learned this from, or or the ideology, the ideology, or the, the 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 opening, the openness of my mind that I have now is like this isn't something I've always had. I've yeah. been taught, and I've been blessed with a partner who had the patience to teach me, even though some of those lessons came out of her pain if that makes any sense yes yeah and for her to still be there and still be willing to teach it's just like i don't know i feel fortunate but i know i need to do better yeah well most of i would say when you said that about her her pain i think most advocates are advocates because of their pain they don't went through something to make them step out there and, and realize, and, and like you said, back to what you said earlier, Cortland, it, it brought up something. You start thinking about all the different situations that you let pass. Yeah. And then just that one thing, it was just like, okay, it clicked. Yeah. You know? And, and it's almost like when your mentors tell you, your dad tell you stuff, is there's something that's going to make you click. And you don't know when it's going to make you click. But in life, that's what we teach our kids. You know, there's something in your life that's going to make you look at situations that I've been embedding in you every single day that is going to make you click and you're going to get it. Yeah. And you're going to realize it and then that's when you're going to start realizing that, hey, this is what he or she meant yep. when they said that to me. You know? I had that and, moment today with my pops, in yeah. front of my pops. Yeah. Like, I realize why you've always said this about us. Because now that I have kids and it's yeah. just like... <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. Now, one last question, and then we're going to go to the closeout question. Uh, what is, is there anything that you would like the audience or our listeners to know that I didn't ask you about you? Not BLM. Let's get to PJ. I don't know. Because I'd, like I'd, I'd like to be like a super private person. 
Okay. If I could, like, it, it took years for me to even allow people to film me or photograph me, especially when I spoke. Like, I, I wouldn't speak unless, like, people would not film or photograph me. And it, it came through the, the, the encouragement of my peers, like, like, dude, you're, you're in the driver's seat. Like, yeah. the folks got to see you. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to speak to the point where I just stepped up and it's, I'm just wearing it. I'm just owning it to the point where, I mean, I'm an open book. I like to think that I'm approachable. And it's just like, I mean, approach me. Yeah. Speak with me, talk with me. I, I he'll tell you. He he has told you like, you can't walk by me without me asking you how you're doing or how's it going. Yeah. Especially if you're a person of color mm -hmm. and you're trying to just walk by me because I'm trying to no normalize us speaking to each other. Yeah. Asking each other how our day was, short conversation, and, and walk away feeling good. You just bumped into me. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with. Uh, I think as a society, we as black men. And I would say black people overall, but we as black men are starting to believe the stuff that we see on social media about us. So we tend to start looking. We used to be able to nod and look at everybody and say, what's up? There was a time where my kids were little and we were in Leavenworth, Kansas. And they were probably two and six at the time. And they thought I knew every black person in town. You know, they literally thought I knew them because we always spoke. No matter if we didn't, we always acknowledge each other. Now it comes to a point where we might be four or five people in a room and we won't acknowledge each other at no. all. You know, we'll walk right, just like you said, you, you speak to everybody now, but I think society now has us believing that the negative stuff that we hear and see on social media is the real stuff that's happening. And so we tend to not believe in ourselves when we see each other that's just my opinion but hopefully we're doing something to curveball that yes i'm trying yeah each one teach one yeah uh i'm a socialist okay um uh, i don't I, I i always i always it's it's hard for me to have these conversations because i'm always worried about the way that they're perceived okay but i don't believe that health care, I don't believe that um, uh, mental health, I don't believe that education, I don't believe that food, water, shelter um, are things that, um, things that any, anyone, especially in this country, should not have. Um, or when it comes to education, mental health, medical health, dental health, eye exams, any forms of self-care, it shouldn't cost us anything. Um, education, um, I don't understand why, and I will never understand why, knowledge is something we should have to pay for. Um, knowledge creates understanding, creates wisdom, um, which can only make a person better, and if we can make the people better, then we make the entire country better. Um, I don't believe in the two-party system. Um, because I think it limits um, not only the people in the political arena, but the people who are out here who are going to vote for these folks. Um, uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe in, in, in those at all. Um, I, I think that 
that system of governing is how we got to where we are now. That system of governing has, has not been effective at anything really other than keeping a select few people at the top and a whole lot of people at the bottom. Um, it perpetuates the current system of caste that we live in and we should get away from that. Um, and that's not something that, that I tell a lot of folks. Um, but it is something that I find that, that is a huge part of, of, of who I am. Yeah. Um, so you Bernie? Hmm? Are you Bernie for Bernie? Um, I don't. Yes, I think Bernie was the best yes. option we had. Okay. I don't like labels. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is another reason why um, I, I kind of shy away from lab labels. And we do that, especially in this country. Yes. Labels are why we're here. Mm -hmm. Labels aren't for people. Labels are for things. Yes. You label something so you know what it is, and now that I know what it is, I know where to put it. Yes. And I don't want to be placed anywhere, and I don't think any of us should be placed anywhere. Um, but yeah, Bernie was a great option. I think we're starting to see this progressive movement, um, which I'm so with that. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that to discourage anyone from voting. Your vote is super, super duper important. Um, but I have not a whole lot of faith in our current political system. Um, you know, some say that it's broken. It's not. It functions perfectly. It's doing what it was designed it's doing to do. What it was designed to do. So um, that's you know that's probably a conversation for years down the road. But my wife um, could have that conversation with you. She's Bernie. Huh? <laughs> my wife could have that conversation with you. She is all Bernie. Hey, I mean, <laughs> at some point we have to. At some yeah. point we have to recognize the fact that we are being held back. And I'm not just speaking of people of color now. Yeah, I'm saying the citizens of yeah, this country citizens, are being held period. back yeah. um, by extremely wealthy, powerful individuals. The one percent. Uh, and we, 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 have to, we have to address that. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to go out and make buku money if that's what you're set to do. But I'm saying um, I don't even like the fact that, you know, I have heat in my house. And I know there's kids out here who are cold right now. Um, Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of, 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 of uh, leveling the playing field. And yeah. it's, it's not just people of color. But, yeah, that's a, that's a big, pretty big part of who I am that I don't express very often. Um, so I'll probably lose a job 10 years from now for, for expressing it, but yeah, no, you're all right. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to do it. So listen, you probably gained some job from people maybe, listening and stuff maybe, like we'll that, see. you know, uh, last question, close out question. Uh, give it to you first, Cortland. If you could put a billboard up in any city, where would you put it? And what would it say? Um, I would put up the biggest billboard that I could find in Harrison, Arkansas, it said Black Lives Matter, and that'd be that. Okay. In Arkansas? Harrison, yeah. Arkansas. Oh, Harrison. Her Harrison. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison, Arkansas. Uh, there's, there's some research behind that. That's okay. why he said that. All right. All there's right. some research behind that. What about you, PJ? Uh, in this moment here and now, if I had that opportunity, wouldn't matter where in the city, somewhere in the heart of the city, somewhere on the highway where it, it, it can't be missed. And 
of course, Black Lives Matter and vote. Because as much as we push for vote, as big as this voter turnout is going to be, somebody didn't vote. Yes. Uh, 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 yeah. To, to vote like it, it's never meant so much or been so important to me as it is now okay all right well we thank you and Cortland Davis and PJ Carter for joining us today on today's episode of Black Mentors a production of Voiceland Media LLC thanks for listening and thank you to PJ Carter and Cortland Davis again and make sure you follow us here every Wednesday as we ask listen learn and invest in the knowledge and truths of black males from all social economic backgrounds. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe to the podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Stay tuned for a new episode every Wednesday.